Well, it is my great pleasure to introduce uh, Sam to you this morning. So Sam has been uh, over with us at the North School for, when did you come to the church, Sam? So we started kind of first week of November. First week of November. And uh, Sam and his wife, Hannah, you saw them on the video there. They've got two children, uh, Livy and Zeke. I've got their names right, haven't I? You have got their names right, yeah. <laughs> Fantastic. Good, I'm getting there. Um, and Sam is, Sam is preaching to us today from uh, Mark chapter 5. And so let's just pray for him as he speaks to us this morning. Lord Jesus, we thank you for Sam. Lord, we thank you that, uh, that he's speaking to us this morning. And Holy Spirit, we pray that as he opens up your word to us, Lord, that you would open our hearts up to what you have to say to us this morning. Lord, we ask you, God, that you would use his uh, preparation today to speak into our hearts by your spirit. And we ask you, Lord Jesus, that you would change us as we hear your word this morning, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Over to you. Thank you very much. So it is a real privilege, real pleasure to be with you guys this morning and bringing God's words. It's been over a year now since myself and my wife Hannah felt God call us to Ashford and it has been a huge journey for us with ups and downs and kind of seeing where God is in between and all of this sort of stuff as well. So it's, it's been amazing. It's been a real journey and a real privilege. I have loved being in Mark and just hearing again of Jesus and who he is and what he's doing and, and how we can follow him in our lives. So I'm just going to read the passage this morning. This morning we're going to be in Mark chapter 5 verses 21 to 43 okay so if you want to turn to that in your Bibles I'd love for you to follow along with this so that we can see that this is rooted in God's word and not in opinion or preference so Mark chapter 5 starting in verse 21 and when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side a great crowd gathered about him and he was beside the sea Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, my little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hand on her so that she may be made well and live. And he went with him. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, you see the crowd pressing around you and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to the ruler of the synagogue, do not fear, only believe. And he allowed no one to to follow him except Peter and James and John, the brother of James. They came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. And when he had entered, he said to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. But he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Talitha Kumi, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age. And they were immediately overcome with amazement. 
And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. So I've heard this passage described as a tale of two daughters. Um, and actually, at the outset, when we read through it, it doesn't read like that. And actually, as we, as we go through what I hope is, you'll start to see why it has been described by some people as a tale of two daughters. The first daughter is quite obvious. That's Jairus's daughter. Okay, and what we get in this passage is it's a little bit like a sandwich. Kind of, you have this, the kind of the tale of Jairus's daughter kind of at the beginning and the end of the story. And then in the middle, we have what seems like a, almost a random interruption about this woman. But actually, that's quite a deliberate thing that Mark does. And just like in a real sandwich, kind of the meat is in the middle. Um, and actually, there's something that God really is wanting to say and impress in the middle. So what we know about this woman is actually not a lot. But what we do know about her kind of gives us a huge insight into her life and what her life would have been like. So what we do know about her is that she has had a discharge of blood for 12 years. That's really the only thing we know about her other than she's a woman. So this would have impacted her life in almost every conceivable way. She has had this discharge of blood the same amount of time that Jairus's daughter has been alive. For 12 years, the same amount of time that this daughter, Jairus's daughter has grown up, this woman's had this discharge of blood. So this would have affected her physically. Okay? She would have likely been in discomfort or pain on a, in a constant or regular basis. And at least for the tw past 12 years, she's been unable to bear children. In the society that they lived in, that would have been seen as God's curse upon that woman. Emotionally, like the weight of, that I've just, the weight of the stuff that I've just said aside, she would have been embarrassed. She would have been ashamed. She would have been despairing. Nothing that she had tried had helped. No doctor's cures had worked on her. Financially, as a potentially childless woman in a society, and we don't know if she's married or not, she would not have had much anyway. She would have had very little to live on. But all that she did have was given over to trying to pay these doctors, trying to find medicines and cures, and it hadn't worked. She would have been poor. Socially, because of the commands in Leviticus and Deuteronomy, because of this discharge of blood, she'd have been unclean, which means that as she went out into society to the people around her, she would have had to identify herself as unclean so that she, made, she didn't make the other people around her unclean. So really what that means is that for the past 12 years, she likely would have not had physical contact, contact with any other Jew. For 12 years, she has not been able to touch another Jewish person. The, the implications on that is huge. It's been unlikely that she's able to have any strong friendships, any real friendships with people. It's, her family, even, wouldn't be able to touch her because they, too, then would have been made unclean. And above everything else, spiritually, this had a huge... Because she was unclean, she was unable to enter the temple. Now, for a Jewish person, what that meant is that she was unable to go and offer sacrifices. She was unable to go and, and, and give the priests the sacrifice to offer on her behalf to be cleansed from her sin. She was unable to go into the temple, into the festivals, when all the other Jewish people would gather together and worship God and remember what he has done. She was left out from that. She was cut off from the people of God. And we've just read the story, so we know what happened. So with all of that stuff that this woman carries, she hears about Jesus. She hears stories of who he is and what he does. 
And in faith, she reaches out and grabs hold of Jesus' garment, thinking if I just grab hold of his garment, the end of his coat, I'll be made well. The faith she puts in him in that moment, if I just touch something of his, I'll be made well. But with all that we've said, she shouldn't have done that. Because what would have happened is that as she touched Jesus' garment, he would have become unclean. But that's not what Mark says. What Mark says is that as she reaches out in faith and touches his garment, she becomes clean. Rather than making Jesus unclean, she becomes clean. She becomes whole. But Jesus doesn't just stop in that moment. Jesus doesn't, isn't just content with this. He feels the power go out of him, and he pulls her up in front of the whole crowd. The community that this woman had been ostracized from for 12 years, he pulls her up in front of the whole crowd. And he says to her, daughter, daughter, the woman who likely didn't have a family, who didn't have a male representative in that society to kind of come to Jesus like Jairus did for his daughter and say, Jesus, would you come? She has to creep up behind him in the crowd, but he pulls her up and says, daughter. In front of all of these people, he gives her an identity as a daughter. He declares her healed. There is now no doubt in the lives of these people that this woman who they have had to stay away from from 12 years because of this illness, she's healed. He says in front of everyone, your faith has made you well. And he uses her faith, her faith, as an example to teach others. He stops in this crowd and he points all around and he says, it's your faith in me that has made you well. This woman is held up as an example for all the other people around her that this is the faith that they need to have. And he tells her to go in peace. And if you're a Christian listening to this this morning, you might start to resonate with parts of this story. There's parts of this story might start to resonate within you. It might sound familiar to you. You see, the reason for this is because like this woman, we too were once subjected to a spiritual disease called sin. And like this woman, this disease of sin had infiltrated and affected every area of our lives. You see, because of sin, physically, we get sick and we die. That's the impact of sin, the disease of sin in our lives. Emotionally, we live in this constant tension of longing to be seen and known by God, or seen and known by people, and fearful of being rejected by people if we're really known. That's because of sin. In the garden before sin entered, Adam and Eve were fully known. They were fully accepted. They didn't fear that. And then once sin entered the world, they were afraid. They were afraid to be seen by God. They hid themselves. And that emotional tension that we feel that's the same as that is a result of sin in our lives. Financially, I mean, we spend what we have with what we think makes us happy. You can often tell what someone is putting their trust in by by what they spend their money on, whether that's jobs or cars or homes or sports or leisure or whatever it is that often we had put our money in the stuff that we thought would make us happy. Socially, our relationships are marred and scarred and affected by people sinning against us and us sinning against them. We can see everywhere the effects of sin on the lives of the people around us, on friendships and relationships and marriages and everything. We see the effects of sin in those things. 
and spiritually. You see, like this woman, our sin, our disease of sin had made us unclean. It made us less than whole, that we were unable to approach the holy God who is the fulfillment of those longings, who is the only one who was able to make us clean. We were unable to approach him because of this disease of sin in our lives. We were unable to gather together with the people of God. We were cut off from the people of God because of sin in our lives. If you're a Jewish person this morning that, and hearing this, that, that might be slightly different. But in terms of if you are a Gentile this morning, we were unable. We were not part of the people of God. And we were unable to get into the people of God because of this thing of sin in our lives. But if you're a Christian, like this woman, you heard about Jesus. Whether that's through a friend or a family member, even online, you heard about Jesus. And as you heard about him, you reached out and you grasped hold of him in faith. And as you did that, in an instant, you were changed. In an instant, you were made clean. In an instant, you were made whole again. Because what the Bible says in 2 Corinthians is that when we become believers, we become new creations. He makes us clean and hold. And just like the woman, Jesus doesn't stop there. He pulls us up in front of the Father and the angels and over the Holy Spirit over us and speaks over us our new identity, son, daughter. He tells us to go in peace as he transforms every part of our lives as we continue to seek and follow in him. And if you're listening to this this morning, wherever you may be, and this isn't your story, that you're, you're not a believer in Jesus, that the story of this woman might resonate with you, but it's not because of what Jesus has done, but because of how she felt before she reached out to Jesus. Then can I just encourage you to, to reach out and grab a hold of the only one who can save you, the only one who can make you clean and hold. It may be that like this woman, you have tried everything else possible to meet the, the longings, the desire of your heart, to kind of to work out what... what keeps affecting you in such a way where you get sick or die or your relationships are messy or you know you spend all your money on the things that everything around you tells you will make you happy and then it doesn't it may be that you've, you you're like the woman in that sense and can i just can encourage you this morning reach out to jesus grab a hold of him in faith and allow him to transform your life you know i think if you want to get in contact with the church this week about that or you know, if you're watching online, the private prayer function, if you want to click on that and have a chat with someone about that, that is available. Please use that, um, even as I, I continue speaking. But for those of us who are believers this morning, I think there is an, there's an application from this for us. It's not just about this is our story. And, and that's because we are called to, to emulate Jesus. We're called to follow Jesus, to be like him into the world around us. In, in 2 Corinthians Chapter 5 and verse 18, it says this. Let me just find it. It says this. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. You see, part of what Jesus wants us to do is, is to look at the story of Mark, look at the story of this woman, and, and not just go, oh, that's my story too. I can see so much of what Jesus has done in me. He wants us to go out and be reconcilers, to do the ministry of reconciliation. And there's, there's three things that I think this looks like that I just want to share with us quickly. 
and I've, I've kind of given them three S's, okay? The three S's of what it looks like to, to kind of follow Jesus and emulate him in this way. And the first one is, is spirit. That Jesus was in step with the spirit. He knew when God was up to something. You see, Jesus had a million distractions around him. Like he had literally got off a boat and Jairus had fell down at his feet and he'd gone off to do the next thing. He might have been tired. He might have been hungry. He might have been wanting a bit of space from the disciples who he was trapped on a boat with. Like, he got into a crowd that was pressing around him on every angle to the point where when he asked who had touched him, his disciples go, everyone. Everyone, to like, well, how can you ask that? Everyone is touching you. He had so many distractions. There was this girl who was needing to be healed. He was probably getting kind of the evils from Jairus. He was like, why are you taking so long? He had so many distractions around him. But he was so in step with the Spirit. He heard the Spirit so much that he knew that God was up to something. He heard the voice of the Spirit. And God wants us to do that. To pursue him in prayer, to to get into the word, to meet together as a people so that we can learn to recognize his voice. We can learn to recognize when he's moving. So that we can do the next S. First is spirit. The second one is stop. See, Jesus stopped, despite the fact that there was these pressures around him, despite the fact that there was this daughter, this this little girl who needed to be healed, he stopped. He stopped because he heard God's spirit moving. God wants us to stop, to be obedient, to follow the lead of his spirit. And although I think this is probably the the simplest step of the three S's that I'm going to give, I think actually in reality it's the most difficult. Because we also have a million distractions around us, right? We have family and friends and work and financial like burdens and sports and hobbies and literally a million things that go on around us. Not to mention phones and you know, the way that we're constantly engaged in something in some way. But God wants us to stop when we hear his voice. To recognize the voice of his spirit and to stop. So that could just be when we see someone who's suffering or in need. When, when God opens a, a window of opportunity for us to share the gospel, God wants us to hear his spirit moving, hear his spirit stirring, and stop to be obedient to what he's going to call us to do in that moment. So the, th- the third S, so the spirit stopping, and the third S, I have cheated because there's two S's in it, is to speak or serve. But this is the model that Jesus followed, right? So he heard the spirit moving and he stopped and then He spoke truth. He spoke life over this woman. Because that's what God wants us to do, is to share the gospel, to share encouragement to to people, to build them up, to call out in them what God has called them to be. You know, whether people are a believer or not, they're made in the image of God, and there's things that God wants to call out in them. He calls us to speak encouragement. If someone is being torn down in your workplace, in your school, actually God is calling you by the Spirit to stop and build them up. That God wants us to speak justice. When there's racial inequality, God wants us to speak justice as the bearers of his kingdom into those environments and those spaces. To hear the Spirit on that, to stop and to speak. When there's conflict and division, God wants us to speak peace into those situations. And God wants us to serve. God wants us to meet the needs around us. When we see someone who's in need and we have the means to meet that need, the Spirit is likely calling us to stop and serve that need. 
If we want to see kingdom breakthrough, we want to, when we see people who are sick, we want to pray for them to be healed. When we see situations that we're desperate to see change, that we know that God's spirit is, is speaking about, we want to fast, we want to pray, we want to give ourselves over to seeing God move in those situations. That we, we can do, this is what the people of God have been doing for the past 2,000 years as we seek to follow and emulate Jesus. It's be led by the spirit. Stop when he is moving and speak and serve in those areas. I just want to share a quick testimony, a quick story to kind of both illustrate, but also hopefully to encourage everyone in this. When we first arrived in Ashford, um, kind of November time, um, me and Hannah managed to go on a date night to Pizza Express at the outlet. We love Pizza Express. Um, And we managed to go out for a date night because we were living with my in-laws, which, you know, free babysitting, which was great. So we went out to Pizza Express. and, And as we went there, Sort of thing, and as we as we got to Pizza Express and we went in the restaurant, kind of Hannah at the corner of her eye had had spotted a waiter that we had had before, um, and she said to me this to me later, kind of in the car. So it was in hindsight that she recognised this, but as she saw the guy, she thought, "I think God's going to do something tonight." And kind of as I'd got into the restaurant, I just I don't I felt a little bit bold, and I don't know why I felt bold. I thought it was just I was quite happy to be out on a date because it doesn't happen that often. Um, but I felt quite bold about kind of just being there. I felt quite yeah, like energised almost. And as we sat down and and kind of we had the waiter that Hannah had seen, and he came over and he was really chatty and he was great. Like we just started chatting to him and um, and and different things. And the table next to us was actually a couple of his friends. And as he was kind of getting their bill because they were a bit ahead of us in their meal, he started. They started asking questions about his back, and he was talking about how much pain he was in and how bad it still was and how nothing had really improved. So when he came over to kind of chat to us about like our next course or whatever, like we said, like you know, couldn't help overhearing, like, what's going on with your back? And he, he spoke about how he'd, he'd got knocked off his motorbike and how he'd, he was in serious pain. He used to have to take, like, cocodamol every single shift, which is a really strong painkiller, just to get through the shift. And even now, kind of, like, a year or so on, he was still doubling up on paracetamol and ibuprofen just to get through his shift. And, and so we just kind of said, listen, like, we're Christians. Like, would you, would you, would you be up for us praying for you? And he was like, yeah, sure. And we were quite surprised he was so up for it. So, so, so we prayed for him. We prayed that God would heal him. And, and as, as we prayed for him, like, we asked him to test it out. And we, again, we didn't expect him to do it. But he kind of sat, stood there kind of next to our table in the middle of this restaurant. He was kind of bending over and kind of like testing it out. And we were like, amazing, like what's happened? And he was like, whoa, like the pain has gone down a bit. And we're like, oh, amazing, like, God's obviously doing it. Can we pray again? And so we ended up praying three or four times to this guy who's, like, bending over and doing, like, stretches and, and all this sort of stuff. And by the end of, kind of, the, the time we spent praying, all the pain had left his back. And it was an amazing thing to experience, to just see God moving and speaking. And it was such an ordinary situation. We were just out for dinner. But God, in his grace, had, had kind of prompted us by the Spirit, and, and we just stopped and, and heard kind of the need and, and was able just to pray and see God do what only God can do. I just to encourage you this morning that actually God wants us to do that. And actually, if you hear that story and you go, I could never do anything like that, then that's okay. Like, don't, don't feel like you've got to live up to a standard, but to just recognize where the Spirit is moving and speaking in your life. Like, is it a colleague at work or a friend from school or a friend or a neighbor that as, as you're speaking to them, you just feel a stirring of the spirit that God just wants you to stop and speak and serve? I'm just going to pray as we finish this morning. Father, we thank you. We thank you for the, the move of your spirit. 
We thank you, Lord, that you stopped for us, that as we reached out in faith, Lord, you stopped and we were made clean and whole. Lord, thank you that you call us to to, to hear your spirit and stop and speak and serve the people around us. And Lord, we pray that as we go out from this week and indeed every week, Lord, that we would do it, Lord, by your spirit. Lord, hearing you move, Lord, help us to stop and to serve you. And Lord, we pray for kingdom breakthrough. Lord, we pray for more and more and more stories as, as your people go out serving you. And Lord, we ask these things in your name, Jesus. Amen.